Back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. I am the two-party party crasher. Uh, for those of you out there, I've done a lot of stuff on uh, the fact that I am the anti-war radio show host out there. Uh, some people are anti-this war, anti-that war. Typically, they're anti-the war that the other side is for, but our side will convince us that our wars are the good wars, the ones that should be fought. For the left, these days, that's just about every war. For the right, thank God, and the greatest thing about the Trump presidency was he woke up a lot of people to war. He made it, he made it okay to come out from the shadows and say that maybe some of these wars aren't such a good idea. After the Bushes and all of the neocons of that era sold you on every... It's, it's not even since 9-11s, through the 90s, the 80s. I mean, the Warhawks have largely been on the right for the longest time. But as I say... Thank goodness that the wars, but if you still hold on to this idea, well, yeah, Mike, you're right. We can obviously see that this issue in Ukraine, is it's a money laundering operation. Why are we worried about the borders of Ukraine, but we're not worried about our borders? I mean, all, all kinds of great, accurate talking points about the Ukraine war. But if you're still in that camp of people who think, but Mike, China, now they're the real threat. If you're still in that camp, please stay tuned, because there's an interesting study uh, of something that's been put out about a possible conflict with China, and I will present it to you in the hopes, in the hopes that people can continue to cleanse their souls of this brainwashing of the warmongers, particularly on the right, who have sold you these things, because if this report is correct... If this is the plan that they have, I'm telling you, you're not going to be happy with the result. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Interesting quote of the day today. Uh, this is from J.B. Handley. Now, I looked up who J.B. Handley was. I just thought this was interesting. J.B. Handley is somebody who has been talking about the vaccine to autism connection. Uh, I, I wasn't. I I'd heard, knew I'd heard his name, but... I wasn't really familiar, so I just did a quick search of J.B. Handley before I read this quote of the day. And he is uh, he set up an organization called GenerationRescue.org. Here is how Wikipedia starts off their description of his organization. This is, again, Wikipedia. They say, Generation Rescue is a nonprofit organization that advocates the scientifically disproven view that autism and related disorders are primarily caused by environmental factors, particularly vaccines. <laughs> Wikipedia, 
just like Google and the rest of them, started out as such a great idea, so much information and knowledge at your fingertips, completely co-opted to be just another tool of the state and the most powerful people. Wikipedia, for those of you out there who may still be making contributions to Wikipedia, please stop. Anyway, this is the quote from J.B. Handley. He said, quote, Whenever I meet a pediatrician, I ask them a simple question. What percentage of your revenue come from vaccine administration? The number always astounds me. The answers I get are that anywhere from 60 to 80% of their revenue comes from giving vaccines. Imagine that. That's what J.B. Hanley says. Now, I've talked many times during my health show about the fact that I had clued in years and years and years ago about some of the insurers and their bonuses for pediatricians and I probably primary care physicians across the board if they get a certain number of their patient uh, population inoculated. And the, the bonuses are rather large. Uh, I believe one of the big major insurers was offering somewhere between, it was like $250 if you reached a certain percentage of your patient population that was fully vaccinated, up to around $400 if you crossed it was something like 80, 85, 90% of your uh, population was, was vaccinated. Now, if you stop and do these numbers, and I've done them for you before, but I actually did a little bit more research today just to make sure I was playing with the right numbers because I always assumed, you know, an average pediatrician in a, in a, a well-populated area would probably have around 1,000 patients. That was always my guess. Well, now I've verified it. Uh, I found somebody who had actually done the research. They say that, let's see, about 21% of primary care uh, uh pediatricians have around 1,200 patients. 75% of these pediatricians have between 1,000 and 1,800 patients with the biggest chunk, 65% in the 1,000 to 1,500 range. So I was right. I got to tell you, pretty good guess. So at 1,000 patients, if you were to get a bonus from an insurance company for getting fully vaccinated patients of $400 per. Can anyone do the math? Anyone? Anyone? A thousand patients, $400 ahead, $400,000 bonus. So J.B. Handy, Handley's uh, statistic there of 60 to 80% of the revenue for a pediatrician coming from the shots themselves kind of rings true, doesn't it? $400,000 and a bonus. When they're giving you those shots, is it for your health or could it possibly be for that bonus? Hmm. Uh, this is uh, one of my favorite leftists. And no, you haven't tuned into some liberal radio show, but I do like Jimmy Dore. I've talked about him a lot, ran across another clip that's worth playing. I thought this was kind of an interesting comparison to where many Americans are today. And isn't it amazing how people still, they still aren't upset that they've been lied to since day one about COVID about the vaccines, about natural immunity, herd immunity, mass lockdowns, closing businesses, firing people and vaccinating kids, all that you've been lied to, like on an astronomical level and people's brains just can't comprehend it. And they still are angry at the people who are point. So like I've always said, Kurt, we're a, we're a country full of adult children of alcoholics. We don't get mad at the person lying to us, which is Dr. Fauci and and Anderson Cooper and Rachel Maddow and and Hotez, we get mad at people who are pointing out that they're lying. Yes. People like Joe Rogan and RFK Jr. and this show. So that's called an adult child of an alcoholic. And that's what America is. 
Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, I have always talked about battered voter syndrome. The, the voters in this country are so misled, taught that nobody will love you like we will. That's what each party tells you. That other party hates you. They think you're ugly. I think you're beautiful. Now, they'll abuse you, but they'll tell you there's just no, you can't go anywhere else. You know, it, it's very similar to those things. Uh, children of uh, adult alcoholics. But he's right, too. It's just people will not come to grips with this that we've been so lied to. And I've been trying to figure out recently, can I work? I work about 80 hours a week plus doing this show. It's a few more hours a week. I'd say probably for my two hours, I put in eight to 10 hours worth of research. So if I'm working 90 hours a week, is there any way I could do that and go to law school? Because suing doctors, psychiatrists, school districts, corporations that force vaccinations is going to be the place to make massive money in the coming 10 years. You know, I, I'm getting to the sunset of my professional life at some point. I'm a middle-aged man heading towards the latter side of middle-aged one family has just received $1.5 million for vaccines uh, that caused autism. A young girl has sued her psychiatrist in Australia for destroying her health by recommending a transition from female to male. So these lawsuits are coming. I've said since COVID, since we really understood what was going on with COVID, I said as much as we like to make fun of attorneys, they may be the ones that come and save us all when it's all said and done, the good ones. And I think there's going to be, there are going to be thousands of young adults in the next decade or so that seek retribution against these psychiatrists, medical doctors, hospitals, pharmacies for sterilizing them and destroying their health. I've heard statistics, though, much like the bonuses for vaccines that you get if you take your child to the pediatrician's office where they try to tell you it's all about your child's health. They don't mention the fact that we really need to get our numbers up to qualify for the bonuses, I have heard statistics that say that trans care, once somebody transitions, they are good for somewhere between, I have heard anywhere between two and seven million dollars over a lifetime in drugs and care. That's what they're going to need after they make this transition. Now that's a horrific statistic to stop and think, would they really do that? Would they would they really experiment on our children and set them up for a life? There's heartbreaking stories out there of people that trans transitioned years and years ago before it was a kind of a thing. This has been going on for a while. It just didn't hit the mainstream like it has now. And and they just talk about their the the tragedy that their life has become. But uh, that's a lot of money for when the lawsuits crank up. So I'm just trying to figure out can I can I squeeze law school. Uh, into what I'm doing. I wanted to talk about this too while I hit on some health stuff here in this first segment. And I have not been able to pay enough attention to this. I've hit on it a couple of times. This 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 fad of Ozempic. Let me just say this again. If, if you are struggling with your weight, do not turn to these new faddish drugs, Ozempic. What are they? Uh, semaglutides? This was originally a diabetes medication that has now been repurposed for just weight loss. I've seen statistics that say over 50% of Americans, overweight Americans, are considering using these drugs. They're wildly expensive. They paralyze your stomach in some cases. This is an absolutely horrific idea. 
Losing weight is not that difficult if you've just got a mind and a shred of willpower or, or, or just want to care for yourself. You can do it. You can do it alone. You can email me, MikeMadison at WYAB.com. I'll give you some, some tips for getting started. It's going to take you a few weeks to see some results. Is that okay? Instead of jumping on a $1,500 a month uh, prescription drug that is going to cause... There's Ozempic face. They have now got Ozempic butt because of the way, the weird way your body loses weight. This is just... Just think, all of these weight loss drugs, what happened with FenFen, all the massive lawsuits around that? It was repurposed as a weight loss drug at one time. This Ozempic is just a train wreck. I don't have time to get into it today, but I did want to read this story real quick. A guy named Lee Fang wrote this. He said, Celebrities, physicians, patient advocacy groups, public health experts, academics, and a variety of community leaders have appeared in dozens of media outlets to tout the wonders of a new class of weight loss drugs without disclosing financial ties to Novo Nordisk. This pharmaceutical behemoth is the driving force behind an aggressive campaign to persuade Americans of the merits of semaglutide, a diabetes and a weight loss drug marketed under the brand name Ozembic and Wigovi. This medication mimics the GLP-1 hormone, which assists patients in losing weight by regulating their appetite. As its popularity has surged, the medication has uh, encountered shortages, transforming Novo Nordisk into one of the most valuable pharmaceutical companies globally. Amid the frenzy to cover this trendy new drug uh, and a public relations push by pharmaceutical firms to promote the use of GLP-1 medications, media outlets have consistently failed to report on the associated risk and potential conflicts of interest among the experts they feature. Now, I only got one story to give to you here. For instance, this is from Lee Fang's piece. He says, In the ongoing debate concerning insurance coverage for Ozembic, which currently costs approximately $1,350 per month, an ABC News story quoted only one physician, Dr. Deborah Horn, who advocated for Medicare to cover the medication. However, the article omitted that Horn has received nearly a quarter of a million dollars from Novo Nordisk since 2020. Article also cited a study on the coverage issue produced by the Urban League, but failed to note that the study was financed by the same pharmaceutical company giant. He says these lapses in disclosure are indicative of a pattern seen in much of the news covering news coverage surrounding these drugs. Uh, I would say all drugs. There's also celebrities out there talking about this, news organizations, and you, if you haven't noticed, you, I don't even have to tell you. What's the theme song for the drug Ozempic? You can you can play it in your head, can't you? Because it's been on television so much. Oh 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 yeah, that's right. We we already all know it because it's on there. These this is a financial incentive to people other than you, and they will wreck your health with this with this drug. Now I I broke a couple of hearts, maybe some brains yesterday when I took on Chick Fil A, Crack Filet. We found out that it's full of a bunch of addictive, non—you know—man-made chemicals. I looked up; it's got all kinds of soy products and MSG and GMOs and all kinds of stuff in it. It's designed to make you addicted. If you didn't hear yesterday's show, go check out the podcast. It wasn't me that broke the news; it was some uh, some guy on Twitter on a video. 
where he was looking at a three-hour line uh, at Chick-fil-A that just never stopped. And he said, what the hell are they putting in those chicken sandwiches? And then he looked it up and found out. I know that. Look, I'm not naive enough to think I changed anybody's minds. People will continue to buy stuff they know is really horrible for them. I just feel compelled, as a humanitarian, to bring the news to you. Here's another one. Here's another one somebody sent out. Uh, they're talking about the the pods, the coffee pods. These, uh, let's see, these pods are made from polystyrene or polypropylene, can have ethylene vinyl additives, and can be reinforced with talc to help keep their shape under the pressure of boiling water. Some plastic pods have been found to contain bif- uh, uh, bisphenol F. You know, they'll say no BPA, which is bisphenol A. But these cups have been found to contain bisphenol F and bisphenol S, two chemicals known to be endocrine disruptors linked to anyone, anyone, hormone imbalances, weight gain, and fertility issues. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I know they're convenient. I know a lot of people use those things. I never have. Seemed like a big fat waste to me. I'm okay with scooping out a little bit of organic coffee into a drip coffee maker. But this is just uh, another big swing and a miss. It's just really amazing to me. We've got, I mean, we've got sperm counts dropping. We've got fertility rates dropping. We've got people getting fatter and fatter. And there's so many simple little things you can do to maybe forestall that from happening to you. It's in just about every product. I keep telling you, they're just poisoning us. Uh, when I come back, Matt Gates, man, he has such a, it's only a 30-second clip, but he deserves it for this one. <laughs> he nailed it, made a great point uh, on the floor of Congress yesterday. We'll get to that when we come back. Stick around. I've been a little hot and cold to Matt Gates over the years. There's something about him just gives me a little bit of heebie-jeebies. I have learned to trust my gut instincts. I'll tell you that right now. A lot of people, oh, your gut knows. We we all know we've met people and got maybe a creepy vibe, but you know, then we're in our friend group, we kind of embrace them. We end up forming a relationship with them, and then two, five, ten years down the road, they show us who they really are, and we go, "God, I knew I should have, li- I should have listened to myself before." Matt Gates gives me a little heebie, but I got to tell you, most of the things he does, I, I appreciate. He's a troublemaker, and when you've got a system of corruption like we have in the U.S. federal government, a troublemaker is a good thing to have. He's a troublemaker. But what he, where he really impressed me was a speech that he gave uh, recently on the floor of Congress. Uh, give me a second here. I didn't pull it up in time. But he makes an absolutely great point that I thought was both humorous and uh, worth listening to. In this country right now is $33 trillion in debt facing $2 trillion annual deficits. We're in so much debt. We're driving up deficits so fast. We are devaluing American money so rapidly that in America today, you can't even bribe Democrat senators with (laughs) cash alone. You need to bring gold bars to get the job done just so that the bribes hold value. (laughs) That is fantastic. He's referencing the fact that this Bob Menendez creature from New Jersey 
once indicted, but still sitting as a senator, uh, is indicted again for taking bribes, I believe, from foreign countries. And one of the things he's been implicated on was gold bars. I, I don't know. Maybe that should get me to have more respect for Bob Menendez if he at least did ask for gold bars and for his bribes, because he realizes the action that he takes on a daily basis in the U.S. Senate are destroying the value of the dollar. He wants a store of value for his bribes. Kudos for Matt Gates for pointing that out. I thought that was absolutely genius. I wanted to touch on this real quick, too, because there's more videos, more mobs of kids coming on the rampage, looting stores all over the place, and these retail shops are just closing down in big cities. There was one out yesterday. It was a whole, it was a whole thing. Uh, Foot Locker, Lululemon, uh, some other stores, they went in and just took a bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm leading to something because I'm, I am here for my listeners. I've given you many million-dollar ideas. I'm about to give you another one. Uh, CVS has said it will close 900 stores by the end of 2024. At first, when I saw that, I was like, good grief, is that every store? That's only 10% of all of its shops. <laughs> this shows you how over-medicated the, medical, uh, the American people are. Apparently, they must have 9,000 drugstores in the United States. Nine. This is just one of the chains. We've still got Walgreens and Rite Aids and Walmart and Amazon. We got everybody else dushing out pharmaceuticals too. Nine thousand stores for CVS. Anyway, they said they're going to close ten percent or nine hundred stores as it moves to an online strategy amid rampant increase in shoplifting. And we see these videos everywhere. They really are just absolutely horrific. It does feel like we are a society in decline, to say the very least. I love to see that Chicago apparently is responding by many store closures by saying they're going to open their own city-run stores. <laughs> I can't wait to see that play out. That's going to be a hoot. You can imagine the massive losses and poor quality. That's going to be my prediction. If, after having to interact with the city of Jackson government on occasions, you know, when they're uh, when I was having to deal with their permitting office, or if you ever have to deal with any of the, the city-run offices, can you imagine them running a grocery store? <laughs> I, can only, I can only imagine. But look, as I said, this show is about benefiting the listeners, and I was watching this latest looting mass, uh, what do they call it, a flash mob? A flash mob seems to me like it's spontaneous. Th these are just mobs. These are well-organized mobs. Hey, we're all going down to the strip. Here's who we're going to hit. If we go in with 50 to 100 of us at the same time, they can't stop us. They're just attacking these stores. But I I'm here to benefit the listeners, people who want to see this change. I've got a million-dollar idea for you. Uh, and this is uh, this is what I think is a good one. We, we need the, uh, as I was watching these, I thought, you know what would really solve this? The police were trying to catch all of these people coming out, right? They'd tackle one or tackle two. They'd grab some stuff. People would drop some things. But they were just scattering. When you've got 150 people, there were like six cops out there trying to arrest Paul. We need the old-timey nets. Now, we could have either one of the two. You could have weighted nets that drop from above. Those would be entertaining to, to watch, but seem a little bit too easy to escape. We need industrial size, the nets that come up from the bottom, the, 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 the Bugs Bunny stuff, right? When they come out, you just hit a button and scoop. You scoop up a big, fat net full of shoplifters. And I say, 
You leave them there for a few days. Let them try to sort it out amongst themselves. Just think about how fun that would be to watch a net like that. Put a live camera on it for three or four days as they struggle inside this net and turn on each other. It would make for great videos as well. I'm just saying, number one, this is a million-dollar idea. Number two, I think it'd be good for society for us to... It's kind of like the stocks, which I think we should be using for politicians along with tars and feathers and things like that. But just hanging these people up and go, there's the shoplifters. Might be able to give us uh, some sticks. Use them like pinatas. So I give that one to you. There's your million-dollar idea. I am sticking with the... Uh, I'm, I'm keeping my powder dry, and I'm ready to launch uh, the guillotine business. When people finally realize that no politician, neither one of these big parties, is the least bit interested in actually fixing any of your problems, when you finally realize nobody is coming to save you, I'm going to be ready with the guillotine business. I, that's the way I'm planning on making my money. All right, got to take a break. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. I'm about to bring you some good news. In a world where I spend day after day pointing out the corruption that doesn't seem to be so obvious to people, I've got some good news. I still want to do my white pill show. You know, you know what's holding me up on that? Somebody texted me the link to, a link to the Brighteon video that I need to do this white pill show. I, I can't figure out how to get it into my email and onto my computer. <laughs> I know there's going to be a simple way. I will consult the sender at some point. I haven't done it yet. But Brighteon does not make it easy to send a video somewhere. I will say that. YouTube, a couple of clicks, and you can get something anywhere you need it to be. Brighteon, let's let's tighten up there. Anyway, there there is some good news in a world rife with corruption. We're all sick of seeing. Finally, there's been some justice in the Jeffrey Epstein case. It has reached an agreement in principle to settle the Jeffrey Epstein sex predator litigation with the U.S. Virgin Islands with a payout of $75 million. The settlement ends a bruising episode in which each side accused the other of enabling Jeffrey Epstein's abuses and led to a series of embarrassing disclosures of relationships that high-ranking bank officials at the time had with, Ep- uh, with Epstein himself, including one former executive who frequented Epstein's private island. Now, the Wall Street firm says the payments will be divided into three categories, $30 million will go to USVI charities focusing on social ills, including fighting human trafficking and sex crimes. $25 million will go to the USVI to enhance the infrastructure and capabilities of law enforcement there. And $20 million will go toward legal fees in all of this. I have to stop this clip. It's just, I don't, I don't know who posted this and put music behind it. It's very, very annoying. That's a, that was an NBC News report, a breaking news. So J.P. Morgan, who was the banker to Jeffrey Epstein, has paid a $75 million settlement. Now, they did this one month, apparently, before the case was set to go to trial. Huh. Doesn't seem like they really wanted this to see the light of day, did they? So they they settled it for $75 million to facilitate a huge elite child sex trafficking ring. And, of course, we still... 
we, we, this is one of these things that drives me crazy. We all know that this was a bunch of elites trafficking children all around the world. And it is still sold to us as it was Jeffrey Epstein abusing a few girls and he's dead now. So whatever. That was never what Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein was, an, and he was an intelligence asset, most likely working for the U.S. federal government and the government of Israel, a CIA and Mossad intelligence asset that was protected by our own government. And they still try to sell it to us as this one guy who was just a creep, was messing around with underage girls, but now he's dead. It, it, it's just... It's, it's quite unbelievable. But J.P. Morgan was knee-deep in this thing. They've settled for $75 million. Now, I would imagine if you or I helped facilitate child trafficking of, of one child in one afternoon, because $75 million to J.P. Morgan is like, what, two bucks. It's like $2 to you and me. You think that the authorities would let us settle the case for two bucks? Nobody goes to jail. Nobody gets in any trouble. Uh, we just pay our two dollars and say, hey, we're not admitting to anything, but you keep messing with us on this child trafficking thing. So here's a couple of bucks. Please make it go away. That's essentially what just happened uh, with J.P. Morgan and the Jeffrey Epstein case. This... um Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about this. This was, um, well, this is Lindsey Graham. I'm going to get into a little bit of war stuff here because I'm going to come back. I'm telling you, for all of those out there who were saying, yeah, it was stupid for us to be in Iraq and Afghanistan. Stupid us for us to be in Syria and in the Middle East, except when Trump went after Iran. That was smart. And it's stupid for us to be fighting a proxy war against Russia, but we better we better contain China. If they touch one hair on Taiwan's head, we gotta we gotta we can't have that. There's a lot of people out there who still believe this. It's amazing to me. These people can you can know of 20 events and know that they lied to you about 19 of them, but that one that your favorite politician tells you or your favorite talking head tells you is the real one. And even though they lied about the other 19, you'll go, OK, well, I'm with them on this one. Anyway, this is this is Lindsey Graham. I just want you to hear depravity. This is a, a Lindsey Graham clip. Ask me, is it worth it? Here's what we've gotten for our investment. We haven't lost one soldier. We've reduced the combat power of the Russian army by 50 percent. Not one of us has died in that endeavor. This is a great deal for America. You've previously said that it's the best money we've ever spent. That's still true? Since we helped Churchill stand up to the Nazis. We have to have confidence that the dollar... Ask me. And that, that is Elizabeth Warren standing next to him and somebody else, some other, some other psychopath standing out next to him. This is Lindsey Graham going, this, hey, this has been some great spending. We have not lost one American soldier. First of all, I'm sure that's a lie. We know that some people went over there. They were paying $3,000 a day for mercenaries. We're sure that some Americans have died over there. And I would imagine, I would imagine we've got some air quotes here in the studio, advisors over there. Wouldn't you imagine? So he's probably wrong about that. But it, what kind of human being says, oh, this was just great money. It's just We're just sending money. Nobody's dying. The figures are somewhere between 300 and 600,000 Ukrainians have died in this war. A war that never would have taken place 
If the U.S. hadn't provided weapons and allowed the Ukrainian government to attack ethnic Russians in the uh, in eastern Ukraine in the first place, but notwithstanding even that, if we hadn't been propping them up, then you would have another three to 600,000 Ukrainian, primarily young men, still walking around. But Lindsey Graham can say, oh, this has just been a great success. Isn't it amazing that we can hear of a tragic car accident or somebody who breaks their neck jumping into a pool and have all of this empathy? Oh, the poor family. Oh, my God. Did he have, you know, whenever I hear somebody dies in a weird way and unexpectedly, I think one of the first questions you have is, did they have any kids? And then you hear that they had two young children and you just think to yourself, oh, my gosh, that is so sad. That is so sad. But we'll just throw around uh, 400,000 people have died over there. And, And we don't give it a second thought. Of that 400,000 people, a lot of them had young kids. A lot of them had wives that loved them, families that are mourning and will mourn for the rest of their lives. But to us, it's just a statistic. Oh, yeah, 300,000 Ukrainians. We'll just call them brave, and then it doesn't really matter. I I talked about this yesterday. We've been so brainwashed by these people, we cannot see crimes against humanity. We, We can't even fathom the fact that our government is the major, for most of the modern era now, is the major proponent of crimes against humanity and war crimes. Lindsey Graham, can somebody just go ahead and tell Lindsey Graham, hey, we already know you're gay. I mean, I'm just assuming that somebody may be blackmailing him, because I'm not sure if anyone could have this dark and depraved and black of a heart, but it's possible we may be witnessing it with him and his former special friend, (laughs) John McCain. But I was just thinking maybe if someone could tell him, hey, Lindsey, if somebody's blackmailing you with some information about your sexuality, eh, just don't worry about it anymore. We, we know. We know. It's cool. It's cool. We've all come a long way, even the Republican Party. It's okay to be gay these days. Maybe if someone just told him that, maybe he would stop doing this. Maybe it'd probably be a big relief to him as well. And I wanted to mention this, too, while I talk about, I talk about these, uh, these politicians who when one person dies tragically, unexpectedly, before their time, we think it's just absolutely terrible, and we really have this empathy and sorrow for them. But but when hundreds of thousands of people die in a war that didn't need to even happen, we just treat it like a statistic. I just wanted to let you know that your own Roger Wicker and Cindy Hyde-Smith have both voted, according to the reports that I've seen today, uh, have both voted to uh, extend that other $24, $26 billion to Ukraine. That is Roger Wicker and Cindy Hyde-Smith. Now, we know Roger Wicker has been cheerleading for World War III since this thing kicked off. He's a blood-soaked monster. Uh, But Cindy Hyde-Smith apparently is right there with him. So there you go. If if you have a problem, you got a problem with Ukraine funding, it's pretty easy to get in touch with these people, or at least with their offices. I don't know if anybody will, but that's where your Mississippi delegation stands. Be right back. See the end. Skies cocked back. Shotgun which can't defend. The rain then sends dripping. Acidic questions. Forcefully. The power of suggestion. Then with the eyes shut. Looking through the rust and rotten dust. A small spot of light floods the floor. And pours over the rusted world of pretend. And the eyes ease open and it's dark again. From the top to the bottom. From the top I stop. At the core I forgot All right, final segment of the day, but probably the most important one. I've spent almost seven years now on the radio really kind of shaming everyone about being tricked into supporting the defense contractors' wars, 
the whole war machine and all of the Republicans that sold it to you. I, I don't know if that's effective at breaking those mental chains to shame people. I think I do it because I feel such shame that they got me back in the 1990s, that they convinced me to be such a heartless, bloodthirsty, arrogant uh, um, American voter thinking that toppling other countries and crushing other countries under our boot was somehow, it made me a patriot to support it. I, I'm full of shame, so I've used that tact. I apologize if it's, if it's rude or particularly if it's ineffective. But if I haven't convinced you yet, and you are currently a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, or you just love our kids, if you go, if you go to college, you know, high school football or junior high sports or spelling bees and you look at the kids and they put a smile on your face and you just think, wow, they've got such potential in their lives. If any of that matters to you, here's something to consider. Because again, while many people out there on the right have woken up to the scam of the Ukraine money laundering scheme, I still see a lot of Republicans going along with the narrative that China is our real enemy and needs to be dealt with. And unfortunately, this is largely led by people like Donald Trump, although he's not called for a war there, and he talks to Xi. I don't think he'd start a war with China. But he did like to take them on in a trade war, so he really cast them as the enemy. They are definitely a competitor, and I don't want to live under their government. They're a communist dictatorship. But even, I mean, even Tucker Carlson can be kind of China crazy. And I saw he's doing an interview with Bill O'Reilly now. Come on, Tucker. He did a softball interview with Trump, and now he's doing a Bill O'Reilly interview. He's becoming one of them. I just really, I don't know. I'm a fan of Tucker Carlson. He's done a lot of great, important work, but a couple of swings and miss recently. But he is very, very harsh on China. Now, as a competitor, as a, a way we would not like to live our lives and wouldn't want them influencing the way we live our lives, that's fine. But when it comes to war, when it comes to the idea of the Taiwan, that's, a, that's our red line. Well, Mike, what about all the semiconductors? All right, all right. Let's see what price you want to pay for the semiconductors because we don't have the foresight to buy from another country or set up our own plants. Here it is. The Army War College has put out a, a press release. They've done a study on war with China, and I want to read a little bit of it to you just so you have this to, to mull about. They say, Casualties, Replacements, and Reconstitutions. That's the title of their piece here. They say... The Russia-Ukraine war is exposing significant vulnerabilities in the Army's strategic personnel, depth, and ability to withstand and replace casualties. Army theater, theater medical planners may anticipate a sustained rate of roughly 3,600 casualties per day, ranging from those killed in action to those wounded in action or suffering disease or other non-battle injuries. They got a little footnote there, number 12. With a 25% predicted replacement rate, the personnel system will require 800 new personnel each day. For context, the United States sustained about 50,000 casualties in two decades of fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan. In large-scale combat operations, the United States could experience that same number of casualties in two weeks. All right, well, is that, is that enough for you to say, okay, semiconductors, maybe we need to make some alternate plans. Maybe war with China should be our last possible thing we would ever even consider. But it's not, they're not done. I want you to listen to this. This is from the Army uh, War College. The implication is that the 1970s concept of an all-volunteer force 
has outlived its shelf life and does not align with the current operating environment. The technological revolution described below suggests this force has reached obsolescence. Large-scale combat operations troop requirements may well require a reconceptualization of the 1970s and 1980s volunteer force and a move towards partial conscription. They're going to need your kids for this one, friends. So, so when you hear that next Republican come out and tell you, we need to stop funding Ukraine and really focus our energy where the real enemy is, China. You should tell them to sit down and shut up. This is, this is like maybe the last thing. That China and Iran seem to be the last two that are tethering the right to this idea that America still needs to impose its will. And when the government tells us, well, there's a boogeyman out there, we'll still follow them. Well, you're going to follow them right into a draft. 3,600 casualties a day. They say this all-volunteer army, that's outlived. It's, it's obsolete now. We need to start considering doing some other things. So when you, when you participate in these conversations, when you cheerlead this idea of hostilities, military hostilities with China, I don't care if it's over Taiwan or not, understand what you're getting into. The Army War College just told you, and now I made sure you heard it. That's all the time I've got. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>